Hello everyone and welcome to episode 287 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skells helps you improve your table tennis. Today's show focuses on returning serve. I'm Jeff Plum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Uh, thank you Jeffrey and uh, welcome to you too. Thank you very much. Uh, I just got distracted for a second because my mobile rang, but um, we are here to talk about table tennis. Alloys, not answer mobile phone calls. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> focus. Focus, Jeff. Absolutely. Focus. Um, we've got a big show lined up today, Alloys. I'm pretty excited. How about you? Yeah, of course, Jeff. Always yeah. excited about the Ask the Coach show. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think we... As usual, need to just head straight into the important segment of the show on this day, or really on this week. What do you yes. have for us today? Well, on a personal note, my my eldest niece's birthday. She's thirty today, and you know, I, I think um, I think the thing here is that I, I remember I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, where did those thirty years go, Jeffrey? Thirty like, years, my goodness. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so happy birthday, Sarah. Yes, I do remember uh, driving down to uh, to see her for the first time with Sarah. The song by oh, I forget who it was by. Someone someone might know out there. Um, it was released in 1986. Um, yeah, it was playing on the radio. So, uh, yes, Sarah was playing on the radio and my niece's uh, name was Sarah. So uh, that was 30 years ago, Jeffrey. But, but Okay, the... so I guess you need to just make the most of your time then. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, yeah, get some table tennis into you in the next 30 years, peoples. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and on the table tennis note, so yesterday was Christian Carlsen's birthday, the Swedish player who has won some European um, medals. He won the silver medal at the men's doubles in 2012 and in um, and bronze in 2016 in Budapest. Um, you know, one of one of Sweden's uh, leading players and, and really, you know, looking to be the next generation of uh, Swedish table tennis players. So he was born in 1991. So what does that make him, Jeff? Uh, 26, is it? Yeah, I reckon it might be. Yes. yes. Happy birthday, Christian. Happy birthday, Christian. And also on the 9th, so coming up in a couple of days, is Quadri Aruna's birthday, the Nigerian player. Um, and he was born in 88, Jeffrey. Okay, 88, there you go. So I had a feeling a... he was younger than that, but there you go. Yeah, no, I'm born in 1988, so what's that, 29 years old? Yeah. 29. Um, so he, I suppose the, the biggest uh, highlight of his um, career was being named the ITTF Star Player of the Year Award, uh, uh, Star Player of the Year um, in 2014. And that was the first um, ITTF Star Player of the Year. Um, so he was, ranked, he, he was ranked number 30 in the world at the time. Yeah, he um, was playing some incredible table tennis around that time, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so a, a real feather in his cap. So Quadria Runa, 29 years old um, in a couple of days' time. There you go. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Quadria Runa. Awesome. All right, now uh, it's always hard to follow up that segment, Alois, with uh, my joke of the week. Maybe we should do it the other way around, it's kind of, you know, so I don't feel so much pressure with the joke of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, Jeff, but, you know, give it a go anyway. Give All it your right, best here you shot. Go. I've got a good one today, though. Sure. 
I told my girlfriend she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. Uh, that's almost funny, Jeff. It's a good one, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, almost. Almost <laughs> funny. All right. Now we've got that out of the way, let's move on to some actual table tennis alloys. Okay. Now, uh, let, let's go on to the, the tip of the week. Yes, and we've, we've been following the um, the building blocks uh, theme, and so the tip of the week this week is to focus on your return of serve. So last um, last. Um, show we focused on the serve so it's quite natural then for to to then start to think about focusing on your return of serve so it's a really important part of the game obviously because you know every uh, or 50% of the rallies you are needing to make a return of serve uh, it's such unless a, your opponent serves a fault of course Oh, good point, Jeff. So <laughs> maybe we need to we need to uh, reduce those stats, do we? All right. Um, Around fifty percent. Yeah, in forty-eight point three percent of rallies, you, uh, <laughs> you need to make a uh, return of serve, um, and it, it's such a difficult part of the game too. You know, so it's, it's a part of the game that, especially initially, players find really difficult to uh, to master because. Whereas you can you can start to get the feel and control of being able to hit the ball on the table when there's no spin on it, but when someone comes at you with a uh, with a spin serve um, for the first time, it's really bamboozling. So uh, so my tip of the week this week is to get on to your return of serve. No matter what level you are, you can always improve your return of serve. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? I mean, initially it's just about you know understanding spin and and being able to counter the spin. But then as you get better, you're trying to make more effective returns and and place the ball better um, while still counteracting the spin. So yeah, it's it's something even the top players continuously work on. Yeah, and and, and uh, they they do that every day. And you know, I suppose we we talk about this a lot, but the biggest change in um, in the game has been on in the, on that return of serve, you know, the backhand uh, side spin flick, the banana flick, um, recent in well mm. last five years or so, um, that's really uh, changed the, the 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 stats on on serve and return as well. Yes, indeed, certainly has. All right, alloys. Well, um, related closely to the tip of the week, uh, let's move on to the drill of the week. Yeah, so the drill of the week this week is to we're going to keep it really simple. We're going to get your training partner to just serve um, initially one serve to you that you find difficult. So, you know, pick a serve that you find uh, difficult to return. It might be the tomahawk or the, you know, you might want to get more specific, you know, the tomahawk backspin serve. Um, and then start by them serving that serve to you 100% of the time. So get them to serve that whatever it is, the backhand, the, sorry, the, the uh, tomahawk backspin serve to you um, and just get the feel of returning it. As you start to get the feel of that, then you can start to broaden the types of serves that your training partner is going to do to you. So now you, perhaps you can get them to alter um, the amount and type of spin on the ball. So they might throw in some topspin tomahawks and some backspin tomahawks and then see if you can start to get to return that backspin tomahawk and recognise it um, when it, when they're doing it. Um, and then you can broaden it out so that they're then going to serve 
uh, a complete range of serves. So, you know, they might throw in some pendulums, some tomahawks, some backhand serves. Um, but then it's that tomahawk backspin serve or whatever that troublesome serve is that you're really focusing on um, uh, adapting to and being able to make that return. Yeah, it really is a good drill, isn't it? Because it, it gets you, you know, to focus on one type of serve first. So it really is a progression. So you can learn to deal with the one type of serve and then you can start to recognize the different types of spin when you move on to the next level. Yeah, I like it. Excellent. All right, very good, Alloys. Uh, and everyone out there, make sure you get out on the table and practice your return of serve as Alloys described. And now it is time for the tournament wrap. What's been happening in the world of tournaments in table tennis, Alloys? Yeah, so in um, in the world table tennis, there's been a bit of a lull in the uh, tournament schedule. I mean, there was a, such a flurry of tournaments that we had all in a row, all those platinum events. Um, so there's been a bit of a dearth of um, tournaments, but there was the Pyongyang Open. So this is the North Korean tournament that they have each year. And, um, you know, it really doesn't, hasn't lived up to uh, to much, actually, the uh, the Pyongyang Open. Well, the um, recent world events, I'm just not sure how many people want to be travelling to North Korea at the moment. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and I mean, if you look at the um, the draw in the men's single, so the, in the main draw there were eight uh, players and uh, there were seven North Koreans and one Iranian that played. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think last so, year they had a few more people, but yeah, uh, yeah, not surprised. No, exactly. Um, but uh, the winner of the uh, the Pyongyang Open was uh, Pak Sin Hyuk, um, who beat Kang Wee Hyun. So, so um, Pak was uh, number number eighty three in the world uh, and beat uh, Kang Wee Hyun four um, nil fairly comfortably six ten six and five, but. You know, probably not a huge event on the world circuit um, at the moment, just with the uh, current situation. But um, I suppose similarly, but quite differently. Um, I Similarly, but quite differently. Yeah, same, same, but different. Um, <laughs> I went to the Korean Para Open, which was in South Korea. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was there um, a couple of weeks ago and... And uh, and, and the, did you feel any tension about the you know North Korean situation? Not at all. It was just a beautiful country. I uh, yeah, really enjoyed um, seeing South Korea. It's the first time I've been to South Korea. Um, I did hear, little... Alois, that someone said the South Koreans feel quite safe at the moment because North Korea, they're really working on their long-range missiles at the moment. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, Jeffrey. I think, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was... Um, well, the the tournament was actually in a place called Myeongyong, and I'm probably getting that really wrong. Sorry uh, to all my South Korean friends, but um, in the centre of South Korea, so it was about um, two to three hour drive from uh, uh, Seoul, um, but just a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. You know, just to see the the mountains there and uh, and the structures. So um, yeah, so really enjoyed the, the scenery. But on the table tennis front. Um, another good um, para open tournament they had there in Korea, um, and it was a really good level of tournament for um, for the Australian players. So it wasn't uh, 
didn't necessarily involve all the top players in the world, but it was a good uh, next tier down of um, of para event and uh, and gave the Australian para players a really good um, exposure to international competition and a good level of competition to play as well. So, um, awesome. so the, Australian, the Australian team came home with a couple of gold medals and a couple of silver medals and a couple of bronze medals, which which was good as well. But um, yeah. Really, really nice uh, atmosphere at the tournament. Really nice, or uh, really well organised as well. Yeah, it, it makes a difference, doesn't it, when everything runs smoothly? That's good. Yes, yeah. And um, and just the the last thing on the tournament wrap again on the para front. So the uh, the date and venue for the World Individual Championships next year has just been announced, and that uh, will be in Slovenia. Uh, from the 15th to the 21st of October next year. So the World Para Individual Championships. Awesome. That should yep. be uh, another big event. I mean, it seems to be, uh, yeah, getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, it is. And, um, yeah, there'll be over 300 players at uh, the World Para Individual Championships. And, uh, you know, the the highlight will be uh, to see if uh, Natalia Patika, the... Um, the Polish uh, superstar can win the world championships one more time. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Alloys. Now that brings us on to the questions. And as always, we need you to be sharp. Are you Are you ready? Uh, as sharp as a tack. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Now, first up is a question from Mike. And he's wondering about a new style in table tennis. He said he noticed something about the way Harry Moto plays. And he says he, he seems to be geared more for speed and placement rather than spin. And he allows his opponents to open up first more often and then places the ball wide for a winner or gives him a difficult angle to return. And he seems to be more aggressive with hitting the ball earlier. And so he's wondering, is this the beginning of table tennis going in a different direction in terms of playing style? And what do you think, Alois, of this particular style compared to others? Yeah, big question, Mike, and um, yeah, very observant of you. Um, it's something that uh, we've discussed a little bit um, amongst ourselves. So, yeah, Harry Moto does have a different style. So, especially on the backhand side, um, you know, he hits the ball really flat. But even on the forehand, he hits the ball really flat and fast often. Um, you know, so I mean, he still top spins the ball a lot, but he does he does play a lot more flat balls than, um, you know, Wang Hao and um, those sort of guys and even um, Ma Long now. Um, so it, it is it is a question that will be asked over the next couple of years uh, to see whether this style is the way to go. One one uh, thought is that, you know, the, the new plastic ball and especially the new generation of plastic ball that they're now using is a little bit slower, a little bit harder, it bounces up higher, and it lends itself to uh, to more of that flatter, almost smashing and blocking type of uh, style. You know, I, I think I think a couple of things here. It'll depend a bit on where technology goes with the with the ball, uh, what the ITTF decides to use as um, the ball. You know, this this new generation ball has only just come out and has just started to be used um, in tournaments. They used it at the Korean Para Open as well. So I got a really good first-hand look at um, what what the ball does. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested too, Mike, to see where this goes. Um, I don't I don't think topspin is dead. You know, I think um, you there will still always be that 
um, need for strong topspin. And, you know, and I think it'll be how, where does Harry Moto progress from here? The Chinese will definitely be looking very closely at it. Um, but having said that, you know, Ma Long, Zhu Xin, uh, Fan Zendong still play um, with a very big, high uh, rate of topspin um, and using big strokes from close to the table. So, um, you know, that, that style is obviously still good. You know, it's not like Harry Moto's number one in the world yet, but, you know, it certainly uh, looks like that's the direction he's heading in. But let's see. Let's see over the next couple of years. I wouldn't go changing your style too much, Mike. I think, you know, just work with topspin, um, but maybe start to experiment a little bit with hitting the ball flatter when you start to see some balls popping up higher for yourself. Yeah, it really is interesting. And um, I feel like the Chinese have been, especially on their backhand side, moving closer to the table, but still using topspin. So they really rip the backhand from close to the table, you know, using their wrist and heaps of topspin. Um, but then on their forehands, they do take really big swings. Um, yeah, with heaps yeah, that's and right. heaps of topspin. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. for me, I think that's still you know probably the way to go. Cut down on your opponent's time, but still using a lot of topspin. But you know, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how uh, Harry Moto progresses. Yeah, and and you know, does his game change? Does the next generation of Chinese players um, come through with uh, you know with a flatter Flatter, faster ball. Um, be interesting to see. You know, there's the world. Um, you know, cadets um, coming up shortly. We we'll, we can have a look there. Um, you know, see what see what the the rest of the world's doing as well. Yeah, but if you were to bet, would you would you go with the more topspin style still? I uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with the more topspin style, but maybe you know, getting closer to the table mm. um, and hitting the ball, you know, at a higher at a higher spot. Yep, yeah, yep. makes a lot of sense. All right, great question, Mike. And, uh, you know, it's always good for players to watch the top players in the world and try and analyse their styles and understand what, what trends are happening. So, yeah, good work, Mike. All right, next up is a question from Jim. And he says, I'm 35 and haven't had any formal training and I've scheduled my first private coaching session in a few weeks. And I, I want to know what I should expect. He says he's going with a Chinese coach and he's having visions of not even using a paddle, but instead painting and waxing cars. Wax on, wax off. Uh, just like the Karate Kid. Um, and he thinks he'll be doing this for the entire hour. So he says, every coach is different, but what do you do on a first session? Do you practice a bit? Do you critique form? Do you do some basic drill work? What do you do, Alois? Yeah, so um, so I, I tend to try to look at the player uh, play in a more competitive situation. So, you know, some open play, just because that's really where you're heading. So, um, you know, you can you can look at their forehands and backhands, um, but in a game situation, it might be completely different. So, uh, so that's probably the first thing um, to look at is <clears throat> how the player plays um, in a in an open competitive situation. And now, it, then is, it is quite surprising to a lot of people but there is a big difference often in how people play just when they're having a hit as opposed to how they play in a match absolutely yeah i mean you know it could you know, your forehand in in training when especially if you're just doing forehand to forehand and you know where the ball's coming can be so different to uh to what your forehand looks like um 
when you're when you're playing in a game situation. So, um, so I think that that's that that is really important to observe. And you know, for our premium members, um, they have the opportunity to send in a video um, of uh, themselves playing so for us to analyze. And I um, I think it's always a good idea to just um, show us. Um, at that competitive situation um, as well as, you know, just your basic strokes. You know, the competitive situation will show us um, what, your, what your game looks like, and that's really what we're on about, you know, trying to improve your game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you're a premium member, uh, don't be shy. Get some videos and send them in. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, but um, but every coach is different. So, uh, so Jim, it'll be interesting to see what uh, – what your Chinese coach uh, does, and uh, hopefully you do get a paddle in your hand at some stage during the hour. Yeah, no, not just waxing on, waxing off. Seemed to work pretty well for the Karate Kid. <laughs> no, it did. It did, didn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know about that though. <laughs> yeah, and I guess um, it probably depends a bit on on people's level about what what you do on the first session as well. Yeah, I mean, if the, if they. Uh, if if they're a real beginner and um, you know really just struggling to hit the ball, then you know then maybe you don't need to worry too much about the competitive situation, and it's just about um, learning how to control the ball, how to um, how to hit the ball correctly to start yeah, off with. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jim, good luck with the uh, the first coaching session, and yeah, shoot us an email and let us know how it went. Awesome. All right. Next question is from Azar, who says. Many years ago, Alois, you said that numerous players have tried and failed at copying the great Jan of a Waldner's style of play, including yourself. So his question is, what exactly defines Waldner's style of play? Is it predominantly blocking and countering, or is there more to it? And since it is so unconventional, how did it work at the very highest level? Ah, one of my favourite topics, Waldner. Um, yeah, so as a... Uh, so I, th- I think why, probably firstly, you know, why do people fail at copying Waldner's style? Um, because he has so much touch and ability to control the ball um, that most players don't have. So he does rely a lot on um, countering um, and um and utilising other people's pace, you know, controlling the ball, placing the ball well. But he also does obviously attack the ball when when he needs to. Um, But a lot of people, when they try to copy Waldner, also only see those tricky things that he does, you know, the side spin block or the the fadeaway backhand block or the fadeaway forehand topspin. But it wasn't, it wasn't the whole part of his game. You know, if you, if you watch and analyse a full Waldner match, you know, a lot of it is conventional, but then the thing that sets him apart is his ability to be able to play those different balls, that side spin backhand block, the, um, you know, the side spin topspin um, that curves away, or to be able to just drop shot a ball off a topspin, um, and those sort of things that relies on that just impeccable touch that he, um, that he had. So, um, why did it work for him? Because he had that ability, he had the touch. He worked so hard as a young player um, to develop his control and touch that 
uh, that he reached a height that I think, you know, as far as touch, that no one has really come close to. Yeah, and I, I think people do underestimate just how good some of the basics of his game were. Like, just the service um, was incredible. Uh, the return was incredible. His his forehand third ball, brilliant. I guess his backhand attack seemed people didn't think it was really strong, but he could still attack with it when he needed to. Yeah. Um, so so all the basics were there, and then you add on that extra layer of touch, and it just yeah, like you said, is really made the difference. Yeah. Uh yes, we could talk about Waldner for hours, but yes. Um, Share, share some of your favourite Waldner moments with us, people. I'll, I'll, I'll be pleased to go through them. Indeed. But, um, yeah, it is interesting to see, like, if you compare, say, Waldner to Ma Long, like, the, one of the biggest differences, I think, is Ma Long's backhand attack is just um, something that Waldner wasn't as good at as compared to Ma Long, for example. Yeah, but all, I mean, also, I mean, if you, if you put their forehand and backhand attack side by side, I mean, Marlong's, you know, just I think way ahead. Um, you know, Marlong's power on his forehand is is much bigger, bigger and better than what Waldner's. Um, the same on his backhand. You know, his ability to to topspin the ball, but but Waldner's ability to change and to always keep his opponent guessing and always say it's like it looks like he can do anything off any given ball. Mm. Um, so to be able to do that, um, you know, is was for me was the real difference with Waldner. Absolutely. All right. Well, great question, Azar, and we could keep talking all day about Waldner, but we need to move on to the next question from Paul, who says, "Alois, we have a table in our work canteen which has a low roof. My question is this: if a shot is played and the ball hits the ceiling and then lands on the opposing side," Is it considered a point or a foul stroke? Uh, the simple answer is it is a foul stroke, Paul. So um, as soon as as soon as the ball hits anything apart from the table, that's the end of the rally. So um, oh, sorry, or the net, of course. Um, but, so you know, if it hits um, if it hits the side wall or uh, or a crate or um, or anything else that uh, that you have um, in the room, that's the end of the point. So if you hit it and it doesn't hit the table as the next thing, then then your opponent gets the point. Yeah, that's the official rules, isn't it, Alois? Um, yeah. But sometimes, but, you know, it's fun to play a rule where you say, hey, the roof can be in, and then you can smash the ball into the roof and have it bounce back onto the table. That's also fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, everyone's experimented with a bit of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is fun. Give it a try. You know, like especially if it's in, if you're in your basement or in your garage. Um <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's it's uh, a bit of fun and adds a bit more three D uh, dimension to the game of table tennis. So um, yeah, yeah. But but official rules, sorry, Paul, it's out. Indeed. All right. Well, um, thanks for the question, Paul. Hopefully that clears it up and keep playing in your canteen and uh, hopefully you have a lot of fun there. Well, Alois, that ro- ro- rose up. That wraps up our latest Ask the Coach show. Thank you, everyone, for listening and. Thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey, and thanks, uh, thanks everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show and give us some feedback. And uh, we'd love to hear your Waldner stories. Absolutely, send us in your Waldner stories, and uh, don't forget, as always, visit pingskills.com. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>